All right, and as those guys go out, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Psalm 103 today, and we'll, we'll get, jump right into it here this morning. We started talking some last week about um, the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians in chapter 3. The Apostle Paul was writing and asking, really praying, asking God for the church in Ephesus. And listen to his prayer. He says, um, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I, I love the prayer that he prays, and that's my prayer as we, as we jump into this in the month of December. I pray that you guys, that we would all together, that we would experience and know in a greater measure the love of God because, um, boy, I know this, it is life-changing, isn't it? When, when you come to understand what Jesus Christ has done for you and what he's done for me, it's changed things forever for you and for me. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, once you've come to that point, it really does change everything from that moment forward. I, I don't know about you. I remember when I was saved, I remember the day that it, it kind of dawned on me to understand really for the first time. I remember understanding and believing for the first time the Lord Jesus gave his life for me in love that he would take the punishment for my sins and that I might receive God's mercy. I, I, remember, I remember hearing that a dozen times, but then there's something different, isn't there, when the Holy Spirit really speaks that to you and you know that for yourself. You know, it's something from being kind of outside that everybody talks about and everybody knows. But then one day the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on your heart one day and he says, and yes, and that was for his love for you. Yeah, and you remember that time? Do you remember that moment at, at that time whenever you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you were young, and that was something you kind of grew into knowledge of. But regardless, that love is all of us, have, we've been in awe of, right? We've been in awe of this incredible love of God that's like no other love that we've ever known. That it's, We kind of talked last week about his love being absolutely unfailing, relentless. He refuses to give up on us. He refuses to let us go as we looked at in Hosea last week. Well, this week we're going to be looking in Psalm 103 and, and a very, some very familiar passages to us this morning, but we're going to spend quite a bit of time just exploring this, the, what is the love of God. And listen, I tell you, I, I, try to, I try to prepare, you know, in advance for what I'm going to talk about and make sure I've got things kind of covered um, and, and, and kind of go through each week and know what I'm going to be talking about. But I tell you, trying to stand here and come up with the sermons that I'm going to preach and not and still finish before the year 2050 um, to talk about the love of God. It's tough, right? This is why Paul said you're going to need power from the Holy Spirit to understand the length and the width and the depth and the breadth of the love of Christ because it's so big. It's absolutely unfathomable is the love of Christ for you. The reason that I want us to talk about it today is because, listen, I believe this about the love of God. It is the most powerful force. I can't just quote you from the scriptures what, what this says, but here's what I believe. The power of God, the love of God is the most powerful force in all of uh, the universe. There is nothing more powerful. than It has the ability to change lives. It changes hearts. It releases those who are chained in prison and doomed for destruction and, uh, and, and turns us over to live in the kingdom of light in eternity forever with God. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty good power. Um, so the reason I want to explore it today is because um, we're going to talk about this a little more as we go along, but I need to explore the love of God myself in my own life. I, I need to understand it deeper. I, I need to jump into it more. 
Uh, I, need, I, need to, I need to search it out. I need to search out its depths more. And I need to, I need to you know, swim to one side and the other side to understand it better. And I need to, I need to look up and, and, and explore how high it goes because uh, I, need, um, I need the gospel to have more an effect on my life. Yeah, still today, still today. I, and I need to believe, be able to believe it. Uh, and also, you know, part of this thing, when I talk about God's love, um, it's honestly... I, yeah, I, I think this is most of us, so I don't think I'm embarrassed to admit this in front of you. I have a hard time believing it, honestly. In my, in my sinful, fallen human mind, I have a hard time believing this uh, God's love for me. Now, I, which is why I need to, to repeat, I need to, I need to meditate on it in the Scriptures because I know it's true, but I have a hard time accepting it. I have a hard time believing it. I have a hard time in my own mind. And so, you know what I, well, I'll get into this a little bit. I preach this kind of stuff to myself all day long. I, I don't mean, I shouldn't use the word preach, but, but I remind myself of this all the time because I need to remember the love I was needing, the, the, the reason that I'm hungry for, for uh, the reason I have this, this hole in my heart is because it could only be filled by the one, by this great love. There was, only, there was no other way that it could be fulfilled. And so when I look to other places and I find myself looking at other places to kind of fill that hole, I have to remind myself, but wait, no, this hole is here because it, it's a perfect fit for that enormous abundant love that's found in my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it rescues me and it saves me over and over and over again. Amen. We'll talk about that a little more as we go along, just how to, what to do with all this knowledge that we're kind of reading. So anyway, in Psalm 103, let's read through. We're going to pick up in verse 8 and read through verses, verses 8 through 18. Read along with me. It'll be on the, on the projector behind me or read along with me in your version of the Word of God there in your lap. In verse 8 of Psalm, um, Psalm 103, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. All right. So as we, uh, as we read that this morning, we're going to spend a whole lot of time in verse 8 and, and kind of talk through what that means. But let's, let's go ahead. Let's get started. The first thing is, is it says this about the Lord. It says the Lord is compassionate. In the King James Version, it says the Lord is merciful. Uh, but basically the same kind of idea there, that, and that's kind of the, the topic really for today. I want to tell you about God's merciful love today. We talked about it being unfailing. Now we're just going to kind of take an aspect of, of God's love. You know, it's too big to really explore it all, but we can take an aspect of it and we can run with it for a day or two, really, for the rest of your life. But really, we only have, a, you know, about three, what, 30 minutes today. Uh, so anyway, we're, I'm going to talk about God's merciful love today. This word is used in the, in, the New, I'm sorry, in the Old Testament 13 times. Every time, except for maybe one, it refers to God's mercy or God's compassion. I think that's telling because 
Um, God has mercy and compassion like no man has, right? God has mercy like no man has. We were talking in Sunday school this morning, but um, one of the things that we know about God is he is merciful. You remember when David committed the sin of counting his army late in his life and uh, God said, uh, no, you shouldn't have done that. You're relying on your military power and looking for that for strength instead of looking to me. And so God said, I'm going to give you a choice for, for, this, for the discipline that I'm going to bring to you. I will either bring it or, I'll, or you can ask for it uh, to be brought by men. And David says something really astounding here that he knows about God. He said, I want you to bring me discipline. I want you to bring the punishment to me because men are unmerciful. But you, in you there's mercy. Right, so, so what he's saying is that what he knows about God is that even in judgment, there is mercy. Even in, when God's pouring out his wrath, even when God is disciplining us as children, there is still mercy and compassion and love behind it, right? It's all the difference between, uh, it, it, well, it's what it, what it says here. It's the difference between a judge who looks at someone and judges them by the law and says, there's punishment for you, and a father who looks at his children and says, you're going the wrong way. And I want to correct you in love, and I want to turn you in the right direction, and I want to discipline you, but I want to do it in love. And it's the difference between a judge and a loving father, right? All the difference between, between us and God. But all the difference between man and God is that he is merciful. Let me tell you about mercy just a little bit. Mercy, the aspect about mercy or compassion is mercy is the act of forgiveness, especially if you have the authority to punish. In other words, right, if if you go before a court and you've done something wrong and, and you're guilty as charged, the court has the authority and the right by the law to judge and punish you. But in mercy, a judge may look to you and say, I forgive this offense. I forgive. It's, it's done away with. That's what, that's what mercy is. And compassion. Compassion is sympathy for someone, especially sympathy for someone who's in a bad situation because you understand them or because you care about them. And so in this, this, this aspect of God is he had every right and every authority to judge the sin and the iniquity in every one of us and say, you will be rightfully punished. But in his merciful love, he withheld the punishment until the time came right for him to bring his son into the world and say, my punishment has to be done. There has to be punishment for sin. I am holy, and I, cannot, and I cannot allow sin to go unpunished. But in my mercy, I'm going to punish myself through in my son. I'm going to punish him, and I'm going to show mercy to my children, right? The sons and daughters who are going to be adopted in my family, which, thank God, are you and I. Amen? That is mercy and compassionate. And how about this? Um, invert, look with me in verses 13 and 14. Here's the, here's the compassion of the Lord. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We read last week the Lord was comparing himself like a father who's teaching his toddler how to walk. Right? This week he says he, the Lord is like a compassionate father for those who fear him. In verse 14, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Right? He remembers we are formed from the earth. He remembers that we're fallible. And because of that, he has sympathy or com- and compassion for us. And he has mercy on us in his great love. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, Hosea says something really profound that's reported, re, reported, repeated in some of the other prophets. He says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I remember the first time I read that, I was in college in my uh, in little uh, kind of a loft apartment I had with some other guys, and I really realized this first, I thought that was going to be in the New Testament, you know, where God desires mercy and not sacrifice. Shocked me. When it, what? That's in the Old Testament? Yeah. God desires mercy and not sacrifice. 
All along, God desired to show his people love and mercy and compassion. But sin came up, and that had to be dwelt with, dealt with, right? And so he instituted the sacrificial system so that those sins could be covered over until the time that the ultimate sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, came, um, who was the Lamb of God, who took away all of our sins. Amen? So anyway, Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire mercy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgment of God rather than burnt offerings. God took no favor in the offerings of his people. He, had, he, took no, he took no pleasure in that. He took no pleasure over the sacrifice of animals. He took no pleasure in that. He wanted to show us love and mercy. This is, such, this is so huge. All along, God's standing there separate and apart from us, holy and blameless, living in, in uh, the writer of Hebrews says he lives in unapproachable light. In other words, there, there's nothing that can come upon him to, to, to smear or darken who he is because he is holy and perfect. And, and all the sin and all the evil in the world is not enough to blemish his holiness or his glory. And he is so holy and so perfect that really all of the earth ought to cower in fear because of our sin and idolatry and iniquity, right? We ought to just cower in fear before him because he's so perfect and so demanding of perfection. He really is demanding of perfection. His holiness, his perfect holiness absolutely demands it. But he's merciful too. As, as perfect as he is in holiness, he's also perfect in mercy. And he remembers that we are not exactly like him. We're similar to him. We're like him, but we're not exactly like him. He remembers that we're fallen creatures. And so we, he withholds his judgment and he holds in because he wants to show us his mercy. Instead, what he could do is he could delight in judgment. That could be the God we worship. The God that we worship could delight in judgment. He, may, he, would, he, he might have wanted to show judgment and to show just exactly how wrathful he could be against evil and against sin. But instead, his grace was greater than all our sin. Amen? Truly, truly. And he desires to show mercy. Let me tell you, you know, I can say this all day long and I know you believe it, but let me, let me, let me tell you where the rubber hits the road here in our lives. You, you and I struggle with sin still, right? Is that you? Is that you? Okay, I, men, right? right men, you're, you're women, right? You're, you're, you're girls, she struggles with sin, right? Ladies, your man struggle with sin, any? Yeah, weird, huh? Okay, um, so w we still struggle with sin. And here's the question, what do you do when you struggle with sin? What do you do when you fall into sin again? I tell you, what you believe about what I just said is so important. Th this is so important. <laughs> Because sometimes the thing that we want to do is we want to revert back to sacrifice, right? Sometimes what we want to do is we think, well, God wants sacrifice. He, he, he demands holiness. And so I need to go beat myself up about this sin before I can come back to the Lord, right? Nothing could be further from the truth. The Lord never delighted in the punishment. He never delighted in that. He wanted mercy and love. And so he made it happen by putting all of the punishment for all the sins that you've committed in the past and all the sins that you're going to commit for the rest of your life until either the Lord Jesus comes back or, or these sinful bodies are, are put down. Um, but God is going to, God wants all the time, He wants to show us His favor. He desires it. He waits for us so that He can show us His favor and show us His mercy and show us His love. This is so important. So when you sin, and guess what? You will sin, right? When you do, what do you do? You run to the God who's taken care of it 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you, Christians ought to be some of the most courageous people when it comes to being kind of looking into themselves and finding out some of the, the fallenness of themselves and some of the brokenness of themselves because there is nowhere that you can go in your broken heart or in your darkened mind, there's nowhere that you can go that the Lord just, that Jesus doesn't go with you first and say, and I've already taken care of this. There is nowhere that you can go whenever you, you, you find um, um, symptoms of selfishness in, the, in your life where the Lord Jesus can't, Christ doesn't come along with you and say, and I died for this, and so you're freed from this, and you just need to live free from this selfishness. Or in, in lust, where in parts of your mind or parts of your heart, men especially, there's no place that you can go that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't say, and I paid for this first, so don't be afraid of it. Let's deal with it and let's move on. Amen? There is no sin for which Christ Jesus did not die in your life. There is nothing that he withheld. There is nothing he said, well, all of these sins I'll die for, but these others are too bad, right, for his children. Every sin, everyone who fears God, as it says over and over in Psalm 103 right here, for everyone who's been called into his family, every sin has been dealt with. Every dark thought every time we don't follow the Lord well, every sin of, of commission, every sin of omission, everything that we do, everything has been covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? There is no fear for you and I when we discover those parts of, the, of, of our lives. And there's no need for us to be afraid to go to God because He's already paid the price for them. Amen? Amen. So important. Do not cower in fear when you find yourself in sin. Run to the Savior. Run to the Savior. He was the remedy all along. And you've known it and you've tasted it. And somehow we go back to thinking, well, God wants sacrifice. No, he never wanted the sacrifice. He always wanted love and mercy. Right? Amen. You with me? All right. Okay, let's continue on. Um, look with me in verse 12. Look what it says here. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. One of the things we don't think about very much or very often is that we know our own sinfulness because it's always with us. But before God, because of what Jesus Christ has done, sin, our sin has been removed from us. It, it, it's been uh, expudiated is the, is the theological word. That means that, that our sin has been taken from us and all that was placed on Jesus Christ. And when he suffered and died on the cross, the sin that he took on for us went away forever whenever he died and he paid the price for us. You know what you can hold the guilty man guilty for? Nothing because he's dead. And when Jesus Christ died, all of our sin went with him to the grave, which would have been fine except we'd all been dead too. And then three days later, right, Christ overcame sin and even overcame death when he was resurrected and so now you and I can live in his life that life that that sin was transferred to him and he took the punishment for it all and now you and I stand completely separated from our sin before God I love that I, I need that I, I I need to know that you know we were reading in in uh, the chapter 14 of Hosea this morning in Sunday school and and it talks about the the ultimate healing that the Lord's going to bring to Israel, which you and I are engrafted branches to, right? But, uh, but he's going to bring it. It says in there in Hosea, I love these words. He says, I will heal their waywardness, right? Today we sing hymns that says, that says um, 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 prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. 
right? All of us have this kind of rebellious, sinful nature to us that, that causes us to always want to wander away from God, right? One day that's going to be healed. One day that's not going to be a temptation for it. And I'm ready for it now, but I've got to wait a little longer, right? Okay. I'm ready to be healed for that waywardness. But let me, let me just say before we go on, when you sin, do not stay away from God. He is the Savior. He's been your Savior in the past. He will be your Savior in the future. When you sin, do not beat yourself up over your sin. Do not think, well, I'll just punish myself. I'll just do penance, right? This is one of the disagreements we have with, with Catholicism is that we believe all of, of the penance that was necessary, all of the punishment that was necessary for our sin, 100% of it was carried on the cross of Jesus Christ, and we bear it no more. Amen. You stand up, dance around. You guys are mighty white, aren't you? Okay, me too. All right. Um, the next thing. Okay, so we're back in verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The word grace means, right, the, the word grace means that, that the Lord doesn't treat us like, 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 like we deserve. It means like... Uh, it means that, uh, right, if, 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 it's, it's like um, if, if my wife treated me like I deserve, right, I'd be in the doghouse all the time, right? But she's forgiving of me, right? Uh, and, and I have her because, honestly, she's worse than me. Not really. Um, but it, just kidding. She's not in here, so I can say that. You don't say anything, will you? All right. Um, he's gracious, which means that it means that I have his favor no matter, no matter how, uh, how much I don't deserve it. It, it means that, that he loves me. It means that, you know, we were, one of the songs we were singing, it says, it was asking for the Lord's blessing. Right, what right do I have as a sinner to ask for the Lord's blessing? Only by his grace. But in his grace, I can ask for blessing, right? In his grace, I can ask for, for his favor. In his grace, I can ask for things. I can ask for his help. I can ask for my, his need, my needs. I can ask for my wants, right? Because I know that I live under his grace. He treats me better than I ever deserved. He is gracious. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and so grace is, is well thought of, I think, as unmerited favor. I didn't deserve his, his love. I don't deserve his favor, but I have it because he is gracious. The next thing, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger. Uh, sometimes we get this view of God, like, like he's angry and he stands in heaven with a lightning bolt waiting for you to mess up so he can take pleasure in bringing about pain in your life, right? That, that's not the God of, of the Older New Testament. The God of the Older New Testament says, I, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm not going to bring about punishment for sin. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to withhold my hand. They're, they deserve my wrath, they deserve to be punished, but I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Uh, I, was, I, I couldn't find it as I, as I was kind of looking for, but there, there's a passage where Paul writes, and he says, he says that, the, 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 that the sacrificial system basically covered over the time until the time could be completed until the punishment could come upon Jesus Christ. And so he allowed mankind to exist for a time, covering over sin by the sacrificial system, by the blood of lambs and bulls, until the time that Jesus Christ could come. And then he put all of the punishment for all of the sin of all time, for all mankind, effective for those who would follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He put all of that on him for that time, uh, right, because he was slow to anger. One of the questions we have as Christians, right, is that people want to ask all the time, why isn't God doing something about all the evil, about all the things that are going on? Well, here's the deal. He is slow to anger. In the same breath, let me say, judgment and punishment is coming for evil. 
Judgment and punishment is coming. And there is going to be one day where God will have had his fill of all the evil and all the atrocities and all the, the sin and all the lust and all the iniquity on earth. And he will save a remnant that, thank God, is you and I. But everyone else will go through the judgment and the punishment of God. And so, yeah, when your neighbors or when your friends ask you, what about all this evil that's going on? Say, he's slow in, 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 he's slow to become angry. He's slow to carry on his judgment. He's waiting patiently for people to come to him. But one day he's going to have enough. One day he's going to have enough and the book's going to close on everyone who's not found themselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and there will be punishment uh, for them. Uh, it's just coming. Yeah, okay. Um, but he is slow to become angry. Um, the last thing is, um, he is, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Um, I love this. The, this word, um, the word in, in Hebrew is, is, uh, is in, for abounding in love is, is rab chesed, and it means, real, literally, it means much love. I, I picked this up years ago, and so, so I, like, I love this. I, this. This talks about the, I love the way the NIV translators put, put it, is it, he is abounding in love. This term rav or rab means like much or many. It means he, he has a multifaceted, a, a, abounding, it's difficult really to say, big, large love is the love of God. It's, it's really big, really, it's big, really, really big, abounding. I, the King James Version is beautiful. It says he has a, his, it says he, God is plenteous in mercy. Don't you love that? Plenteous in mercy. He has an abundance of it. He has a storehouse of it. Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote this about, about this passage. He said, he said, God's mercy is, is treasured up as waters are in the storehouse of the sea. There is no end to the treasure of his grace, mercy, pardon, and compassion. See, it's like Spurgeon, when he thought about the love and the mercy of God, he thought about the ocean and how, how the waves just relentlessly pound against the shore and the water just keeps coming and you look out at the expanse and you can see the curvature of the earth over the ocean and there's just no end to it and it's just, there's just so much water in the ocean. I don't know if you've noticed. It's big, right? But and he's, he thought about the love of God and he says, that's what God's love is like. There's just no end to it. It's just an abundance. It's just like much love, abounding love. And that's the love that your father has. And let me tell you, let me stop there for just a moment. For those of you who have a little trouble like I do receiving God's love, what I'm saying is God has abounding, plenteous, uh, uh, an ocean full of love for you. Right, I need to make that distinction because if you're like me and you have a little bit of trouble with this, you can say all day long that the Lord, you know, has great love and great love for his children. He has that love, that tender, kind, but bounteous, plenteous love for you. He feels love for you. You know, in Zephaniah, we're going to read at the end of, uh, at the, end of the month here in December, and, and it talks about this, it talks about God singing over Israel as a father sings over his children, uh, sings over them with, or, or I'm sorry, uh, whole, uh, I can't think of the right word, um, rejoices over them, that's the word, rejoices over them with singing, like a, like, a, like a father would hold a newborn child and just rejoicing in that life and rejoicing in the, uh, just the joy of a new life and he rejoices over Israel with singing. That's the kind of love that God has for you. Now, let me tell you, so here we go. Here, let me wrap this up because I've talked too long. 
that's the kind of love that the Lord has for you. If you, uh, if you have a hard time believing that, you, you need to be in these scriptures. You need to meditate on those things, and you need to preach that to yourself. You know, you need to remind yourself. You need to think about that. And, and literally, I, I'm not kidding you, I, just in the last three months probably, I, I've just taken the time to, to remind myself of, of who God is. And I'll be in a situation where I'm kind of desperate for... Um, I don't know, significance or something, and, and I'll need to preach this to myself. And so I remind myself, wow, the God of glory, the God who, who cloaks himself, right? the, the psalmist wrote about God kind of uh, being covered in the, in the glory of the stars. That God is so majestic and, and, and so wonderful and so separately, beautifully different from me. He cares for me. I, 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 I'm telling you, I, I preach this to myself, and I, and I think you maybe should too. Right, I think you maybe should do because it's life changing. It prevents me from going. It prevents me from seeking out um, what only can be found in God. It pre- pre- prevents me from seeking that out in other places that really are idol or, or, or is idolatry. Right? I don't know why I'm stumbling with words so much today, but anyway, too much coffee or something. I apologize. Uh, let me let me do one thing else, and then we're gonna we're gonna quit for the day. Um, had some people come to my office the other day. I'd never met them. They'd never met me. They didn't know what I looked like. Um, but whoever was there, they told him, hey, you need to go see David Crump. He's in this building. And do you know what they said? He's tall, dark, handsome, kind of, a, kind of an iron, kind of a chin, kind of chiseled, muscular features. Now, wait, you know what? That's not what they said. No, I, I'm sorry. Now that I think about it, they said he's tall and redheaded it was, and thin, something like that. But anyway, maybe I got confused about how I think of myself versus maybe someone else. But uh, anyway, there's a time like that for Moses. Uh, not really. That was just for fun. Um, there's a time like that for Moses. Moses, you remember, he goes up on the mountain, and this is going to relate. I promise. I didn't just tell that for fun. Um, there's a time that Moses goes up to the mountain. God chisels out the Ten Commandments. He comes back down, and he finds the people doing what? Worshiping the golden calf they built. Hey, Moses is gone. Let's, I don't know. Let's melt a bunch of stuff and make a calf. It's kind of weird. Um, so he got angry, and what did he do? Yeah, thrown down. They they were broken. So so God called Moses back and said, "Come back up to the mountain, and we'll do the." You know, well, He told him He's going to uh, you chisel mount yourself and bring him back up to the mountain. I'm going to meet with you. And the Lord said, "So anyway, but while He's going up there, the Lord says, and present." He said, tells him, "He said, present yourself to me." And so Moses is going to go present himself to God. But the cool thing is, is, that, is the Lord's going to show Himself to Moses. Right? He told Moses, "Present yourself to me." But God's going to present Himself to Moses. Moses is one of the few men where we, we don't have a real good understanding of this, but no one's ever seen God. But, man, Moses came real close a couple of times. Pretty incredible stuff. But anyway, um, so anyway, in, in Exodus chapter 34, listen to these words. So Moses chiseled out the two stone tablets like the first ones uh, and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord com- had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. The Lord. That word, when you see the Lord in those that, that uh, those all small caps like that, that means Jehovah, right? In the in the in the Old Testament, it means Jehovah. So Jehovah, right? That means like the the ever existent one, the God who always exists. Jehovah. It's his personal name in the Old Testament. So he proclaimed his name. But not only did he proclaim his name, he followed it with what he's like, because he was trying to to express to Moses a little more about what he's like. Kind of like me being, you know, kind of dark and chiseled features. But really, the Lord says, um, this is, so he proclaims his name. So he proclaims his name, but he adds on to it because this is who he is. 
the Lord's wanting to reveal to Moses and to tell him a little bit more about who he is. So he says, yes, I'm Jehovah. I'm the ever-existent one, but I'm also, listen to what he says, and he passed in front of Moses there in the cloud so Moses couldn't see him apparently or else he'd have been killed apparently. And, but he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, or Jehovah, Jehovah, right, the, the ever-existent one, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, the passage in Psalms was taken from, quoted from here, what happens very early on in the history of Israel, between Israel and God. Um, but he is merciful. I love that part. So it's not only what God's like, it's part of who he is. He is loving. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He's abounding in love, and he's slow to anger. Thank God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, as we think about it, as we ponder these things, Lord, it really is too big for us. Your, your love is just too grand. It, it's, it's too big. It, it does abound. It is plenteous. It, it, it's larger than we can conceive. It, it's like no other love on earth. It's like nothing else we know. So, Father, I pray just as the Apostle Paul did, would you give us help by your Holy Spirit? Would you help and take these words, Lord, that we learned today, the things that we learned today about how you are, you're merciful and you're, 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 you're waiting to show us mercy, you're wanting to show us grace. W would you take those words now and, and just place them in our hearts and, and by your Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord God, that you would bring them up over and over and over again to us to remind us the great love that we need, the love that we seek after is found in you. And so, Father, for that big hole in our hearts, that big hole in our lives where we're looking for some significance or some importance or, or, or looking for love, um, looking for, for someone significant to love us, Lord God, I pray that you would remind us that you are Jehovah. You are the ever-existent one who abounds in love for us. You abound in mercy. You want so desperately. You desire to show us mercy, not, not, not sacrifice, not not punishment. You desire to show us mercy. We thank you for that part of your character and that part of your love. I pray, Lord God, today for those folks like me who have a little trouble accepting or believing all this, Lord God. Help us to understand it better. Help us to take it in a little better. Not that we can always experience it all the time because of our fallen nature, but Father, help us to take it in deeper and help it to make real change in our lives, I pray. Help it to change the way that we treat other people because we've been, we've been perfectly loved. Help us to love more like you in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Lord, love you. Lord, bless you. I hope you all have a great week. Sorry I kept you a little late.